you fool, I love you. Come and join the joyride. That is the year-end review from FudsOnFilm.com. <laughs> I am Craig Eastman, and with me, Scott Morris. Hello. And Drew Tavendale. Oh, hello. Can I just say you're looking particularly fetching tonight? Yes. Yes. Yes, you, you. can. No, you. Yes, you. Oh, I thought you were talking to me. Oh, I'll put the masking tape back over my uh, my laptop's webcam then. Um, <laughs> please, please do. It's all been it's all been for nothing. Let me put my shorts back on. Yes, it's it's time for us to do our annual yearly roundup of stuff that we really really liked. And I don't know, are we going to mention stuff that we really didn't like as well? Yes, yes, we yes. are. Why not? Because you because can... we like the hatred also. That's it. We like the yin and yang of praise and vitriol uh, in equal measure. Uh, so I guess. I'm not going to have a lot of input in this. I'll be your ringmaster for the night because I've seen sweet F.A. in terms of movies this year. (laughs) But I seem to have been saying that for a lot of years recently. Uh, So most of this is going to be coming from Drew and Scott. But uh, I suppose without further ado, blink for yes or die for no. So, who's got a list that they want to kick off with? What are we doing here? Are we doing top five favourites? Are we doing top tens? Are we doing... Think probably more just mention a couple, a few things that are really good. Um, there's only one film I have in any particular ranking. Oh, cool. Than that. Well, why don't you? Why don't you well, kick us off then? Or maybe, Scott, what have you? What's your? Maybe before that, Drew. What you've probably seen more films that I have. I managed to see a lot more this year than I did last year, which I think only managed to see like twenty films or something that was eligible. Uh, so got a decent amount in 2016. Basically, the rationale for being included included in this list is it came out in 2016 with a full UK cinematic release. So that's why you'll probably hear some things that are old news, Oscar wise, mm. uh, in this list. But um, yeah, do you have a general take on the year's quality as a parent to other films uh, other years through? Do you think this is a better year, worse year? What do you think? Given that three of my favourite films of the year were animations even though the one's two years old in terms of production date, I would mm. say it's probably a good year for animation. Beyond that, uh, maybe a less good year than the previous few for your big Marvel-y type films. Yeah. I thought really more disappointing this year. Mm. Yeah, the big budget stuff has flamed out quite a bit, hasn't it? Uh-huh. I have seen fewer, but by no means no, unfortunately, fewer downright stinkers, mm. but then I've not seen so many films this year. So this have was... you just been more selective in what you've watched? <laughs> I watched Dad's Army, so no, no oh. I Because <laughs> I was thinking, um, when I was looking through my list, there's not really too much on here that I really vehemently disliked, and most of the main disappointments were things that were sold to me as being awesome and wound up largely being mediocre. Yeah, and, That's it, um, I've got a few of those, yeah, it's more... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I had been looking forward to this year, things like The Revenant that turned out to be... Yeah, good, but not quite the revelation right. everybody was making out. Yeah, yeah. So, so when I was looking at my my list in, in general, it's probably of a higher average quality, but I don't have any real too many on the, the sort of real stinker size. But on the flip side of that, I don't really have any you know too many films that I'm incredibly excited about. Um, I don't no, think there's so similar, dissimilar to me. Yeah, I mean, there's there's the thing say as spectacular for me this year as something like Mad Max was last year. Well, I don't think there's anything quite so powerful as there was, you know, Twelve Years a Slave the year before. Mm. Um, so it's I don't we don't have quite the highs and the lows. I think generally it's actually been an okay year. It's been I've got a, a good number of pretty good films in this list. When I get to my yeah. kind of boiling under film, I could rattle off about two dozen films that yeah, I actually I could, really quite liked. I could probably do something similar. So, I mean, I'm looking at my list of of the worst of the year, and there are a couple that yes, I genuinely dislike, including 
the Revenant. <laughs> but yeah, from where you've in that section, it's more disappointment, either yeah. like a a missed opportunity or just something that could have been good turned out to be mediocre. There's not so much there that's actively bad, like you know, under the skin bad or anything like yeah. that. Does it fair to say that on a scale of one to ten, one being the worst possible year, ten being the best possible year, that 2016 rates us? Eh, that's about right. it's a sort of meh plus (laughs) (laughs) meh plus alpha perhaps Drew do you want to kick us off with one from the top of your list yeah Um, pick us a good one okay I will pick the one film that I would rank as my favourite film of the year and it's one I only saw a couple of weeks ago and this would be contender for film of the year most years it's so good and that is Laika Animation's Kubo and the Two Strings very Japanese and well set in Japan, but Japanese art archetypes and Japanese story types, all done with beautiful stop motion animation. Just a film full of care and charm and delight and beauty. Strong story, strong acting, excellent direction. Just pretty much a perfect film, as far as I'm concerned. It's a magnificent achievement. It's like his best work yet, and that's quite a thing come from the studio that produced Coraline. It's rewarding, doesn't talk down to its audience, has universal themes and some sort of more specific ones too, like children living with a parent with depression, um, having to be a caregiver at a young age that a distressing number of people actually have to live with, but never never beating down on it. At the same thing, doesn't shy away from it, just like, here's a fact of life for some people and trusts its audience aimed at children, the film is trust his audience to just accept this and if they don't understand it maybe they'll ask the parents afterwards but it doesn't speak down to people and that's refreshing in children's films so yes mm. film of the year kubo fair play uh, does it feature anywhere on your list scott it's certainly high up there's uh, a few films i don't feel any particular need to slide uh, cigarette papers between um so yeah kubo and two strings absolutely fantastic the only reason i'm not saying it's Definitely my best film of the year. I only saw it a couple of days ago, and uh, I normally like to give these things a little, little while to percolate and let watch it, it again. Bed down, Scotland. Yeah, bed down. Well, I'm, I'm very confident that it is, if not the best film of the year, certainly in high contention to be. It. <laughs> if you'd put me through this list a couple of days ago before I'd seen that film, I would have said my favourite film of the year is Trumbo, based on the screenwriter Dalton Trumbo. Uh, it's a tremendous central performance his, from his Brian brother Cranston. Rusty. <laughs> the tale of him being blacklisted for his political beliefs uh, and the whole McCarthyism thing that was going on back Mm -hmm. then in the 40s yeah terrific film interesting story um i don't think i've heard it told in such detail before like i haven't the general gist of these kind of things happening in various works beforehand but nothing that went into quite this depth and just a lot of tremendous character pieces on it uh, throughout it Particularly from Brian Cranston, of course, but mm-hmm. also Helen Mirren and the um, Helen Mirren's um, commendably evil in this. <laughs> yes, um, and everyone else like Louis C.K. and a tremendous performance. This is a cameo from John Goodman, I think, which was what the loop socks off. Yeah, John also, Goodman's cameo in this is superb. Yeah. <laughs> Just going to town with that baseball bat is fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, highly enjoyable film. Again, just a good message that your political freedoms are worth fighting for, and something to bear in mind as we <laughs> approach the Trumpocalypse. So mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> Yes, highly recommended that one too. Yes, that's also one of my films of the year. If for no other reason other than that Brian Cranston's central performance is so, so strong. Yeah. And although it's not one of my films of the year, just because there's an obvious connection, it's maybe worth mentioning now too that another film I particularly enjoyed this year. 
though not as good as Trumbo, was the infiltrator. Again, Brian Cranston seems to have successfully made the transition from the small screen to the big screen. Godzilla being but a blip. <laughs> he is on form most of the time in things nowadays, and when he's on form, he's utterly captivating. There's no mystery as to why Walter White was such a compelling character. It wasn't just the writing or the setting of that story. It's Brian Cranston and he yeah, if without Helen Mirren or Louis C.K. anybody around him, you could watch Trumbo and only see um, Brian Cranston and enjoy it thoroughly. Yeah. It's such a good performance. Yeah, so come on then, uh, fire off another. Well, actually, here's another one that's at the top of my list that I think you've seen, you could probably call on as well, actually, um, Spotlight. Which was, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, uh, I forget uh, that was released this year here, wasn't yes. it? Yeah. First of January or something like that, I think. It was very early, but yeah, also mm. on my list too for films of the year, because, yes, it's... um. If those who, because it's so far back now when it was actually released, Spotlight is the story of the Boston Globe, isn't mm-hmm. it? Their also. investigation into the paedophile activities of a huge number of Catholic priests in the Boston Archdiocese. It's based on true story, and I think closer to true story than many of them are, certainly closer than, for instance, Sully, which we talked about recently. So it's less about investigating the deeds of the priests and more around the, the church's subsequent the cover, pushing up yes, of it. absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. which is potentially as deplorable, if not more so, than... <laughs> In fact, yes, I think that's worse. There are always people that are going to do bad things when an organisation like that, with that much power, covers up. That's the bigger yes, crime, and, I think. And with that much pretense at morality. Yeah, the cover-up is the bigger crime. Yes, fantastic ensemble cast. Really, really interesting, if unpleasant, subject matter. So well acted, so well written. I've heard it said that it comes across as something of a TV movie, and I'm not sure why. Maybe just because of the subject matter, but maybe they just mean it does. it's not something you necessarily get any benefit from seeing in a cinema, but who cares? It's a really, really good film with a great story. Yeah, you can imagine. I know what people are getting at with that, but I don't. I don't agree with them. It's not. A, it's not a movie which indulges in any kind of visual flair. You can imagine if this had been directed by David Fincher, you'd be looking at the the serial abuse investigation equivalent of something like Zodiac, right? But it's not a film that requires that. It's a film. It's a film which is quite deliberately paced, and I think mm-hmm. almost it feels almost out of respect to the subject matter that is dealing with that it doesn't indulge in any kind of flashiness and the performances are all very understated not necessarily to a fault no i mean it's not i wouldn't use the word documentarian but some of the setups are almost mm. like that that there's like just a static camera in an office where people have a meeting and that's a setup that doesn't sound particularly interesting mm. but it's what they're talking about that's important and there's these people variously disgusted or enraged by what's happening mm. and as well as just the journalistic interest of what's clearly a big story and it's just a satisfying watch mm. and it doesn't need anything flashy anything flashy yes absolutely detracts from the subject matter and as you say craig kind of undermines the seriousness of what is happening yeah it's a it's a film with a director who understands the value of having the cast that, that he does at his disposal so yes drew do you want to pick another one off the list yes um i will go for what is without doubt the funniest film i've seen this year um, mm. And I saw it twice within a couple of weeks, which is rare for me nowadays to see filming two times in such close succession. But that's the nice guys. Shane Black has managed to follow up and make Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with a film almost as good as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Potentially even better. Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling are fantastic. The, the setting is interesting. The story is, of course, ludicrous. 
<laughs> but there was just such incredible chemistry between the leads and Ryan Gosling with his endearing shriek <laughs> and Russell Crowe with reminding you that, you know, when he cares, he's actually a really good actor and apparently does have a good comic turn as well. Mm. Just, yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed The Nice Guys. It's a comedy, not so much you can say about it, but it's a thoroughly bloody funny comedy, which is kind of the point. Well, having gotten within, because this is right up my alley, and having gotten within about 20 minutes of seeing it at the cinema, I subsequently still have not got round to watching it. <laughs> Which oh, is uh, disappointing. But I have no doubt in saying with great confidence that had I seen it, I'm sure it would be on my list. Sometimes you can just tell. <laughs> Scott, was it is it a feature? Uh, is it a feature for you? Oh yes, yes. I would probably say that the Trumbo Spotlight and Kubo and the Two Strings are probably a strata above everything else. Now we're getting to the quite a decent amount of films that I really, really like, uh, but don't have quite the same move to it. There's, there's uh, nice guys is certainly at the top of that list. So really funny experience and uh, yeah, just full of classic Shane Black little moments that he's so good at writing and uh, yeah as I say that, that that lovely little shriek from Gosling yeah <laughs> the man can do no wrong can I just mention only God forgives the man can do wrong unfortunately that is, that is true yeah he can mm. do really quite badly wrong I, <laughs> I regret the error <laughs> wanna, wanna fight um, should we take a bit of a pit stop at this point then and shake things up a little? And was there anything that really, really <laughs> in your cereal this year? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Go on then, Drew. Okay. Oh, what to pick? I think for me, the worst film of the year, in part because it's maybe a reactionary, but because of all of the praise that was heaped upon it, but The Revenant. Mm. I despise The Revenant. Really? I really genuinely hate that film and that's rare for me sometimes like, something's really bad what is it that's, what is it, it that stoked your ire so much because i mean for for me obviously it wasn't anywhere near the experience that i was uh i was led to expect but i didn't actively hate it i just kind of felt myself pulled one way and t'other by it it was a very neutral experience overall uh how to describe it it being quite a long time now since i saw it it's it's the first film i've seen where i think tom hardy actively annoyed me a bit I think everything about that film annoyed me. The fact that nothing happens is a big part of it. And uh, nothing happens <laughs> a lot <laughs> in in big spaces of nothing. And there's a bear. Yeah. Oh, that's the yeah, that's the one thing that stoked me a bit about it. Actually, after everyone going on about the fo- the photorealistic bear attack, I think we mentioned this at the time. No, 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 it's not photorealistic. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, yes, part of it is reaction because people were going on about Leonardo DiCaprio in such a good performance like Leonardo DiCaprio's basically unconscious throughout the whole film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't mean his character's unconscious like as an actor basically he's unconscious he just mm. mumbles a bit yeah. and then Tom he, Hardy comes on and mumbles a bit they appear quite literally numbed by the cold which I'm sure they probably were <laughs> okay so yes a lot of my my feelings about it are the reaction and that's maybe my fault for allowing that to get to me but just when I watched it just generally for me nothing happens the acting is all either terrible or absent the story isn't there is no story (laughs) the story (laughs) isn't (laughs) (laughs) and there's just there's no reason to care about a single thing or or person in it Mm. and that's what really bothers me and i am not a fan of alejandro gonzalez to at all in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. and this is just more fuel from a fire of just wise which is strange actually given that last year while they had faults with it 
Birdman I found captivating mm. yeah. I couldn't ex- explain exactly why I liked it so much but I also didn't like it at the still, same time still haven't got round to Birdman and one of the one of the biggest surprises for me about Revenant wasn't that I just kind of felt neither one way or t'other about it at the end but that I expected to be at least sort of visually blown away by it because certainly in terms of you know landscape and stuff it has the potential to be quite epic but I was kind of slightly underwhelmed by that as well it was all a little bit too bleak and I don't know if it was just the bleakness of the story and the characters sapping the will out of me that I wasn't even able to enjoy it as much as I'd hoped visually but I had a similar sort of thought because I saw this with my girlfriend and um, neither of us liked it right but she said oh but at least it looked nice and you know she's doing a PhD in cinema theory, so generally she can find something at least of interest in a film. Mm. And for this, she found nothing. Mm. Um, apart from yeah, some of the the photography was nice, and I'm like, was it? I don't remember any nice photography. Mm. There was a lot of snow. I, I remember. I remember yes. snow in some trees yeah. and a shitty bear. Yeah, but, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it was it a pain in the ass to get the exposure right on it. But yeah, <laughs> maybe the rest of it just numbed me. So if there was anything like that, the rest just completely slipped by me to it yeah yeah i can understand that scott did you have any strong feelings one way or t'other no i wouldn't say i hated the film i found it very boring it's perhaps one that sits in i mean i'll get onto some real stinkers don't you believe you and me but there's a, mm-hmm. it really just fall more into the kind of general disappointment category uh, the ones where its reputation really didn't match up to what it delivered which was a fairly average or mediocre film for my liking and there's a few more in this list things like the big short lot of rep didn't really deliver yes um, again i don't feel like that about as i did about the revenant but yes all the people talking about this is a great film it, it really explains the financial crisis in a way no other film has done before like mm-hmm. i'm none the wiser after watching this <laughs> film uh, <laughs> yeah. as i was before it banks are greedy that's really all it said it was yes. it was a bit lightweight joy and carol a lot of uh, hype between both didn't really add up to anything in my mind yeah. the danish joy girl was, as well joy was disappointed to me scott carol i think we talked about the time was more of a missed opportunity. It was like it was a perfectly adequate film, but the setting could have been could mean so much more a much more interesting story to be told there, and they didn't do it. Mm. So now that you've piqued my interest, Scott, what was one of the real stinkers? A couple more disappointments just to get them out of the way. Um, so what was the one you said just as I started speaking? Cause Danish I girl. Yeah, the Danish, the Danish girl. girl okay. Not enough pastry. No, nothing like Again, it. Again, yeah, I think another one maybe a bit of a missed opportunity too. I think we talked about that at the beginning of the year yes. last year. Perhaps not a disappointment, wasn't expecting much, but the remake of Secret in Her Eyes, it's a really great film and they made a really average film out of it. So, yeah, it's, it's quite mind. astonishingly mediocre. I, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very fond of the Argentinian original mm. from like, 2009. Mm. And I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of remakes anyway, but I thought, oh, okay, we'll see here what they're going to do. And I like Chiwetel Ejiofor. And then, unfortunately, Julia Roberts is in it. Oh. And it's just... <laughs> If they've taken a really interesting story and managed to remove any charisma or interest whatsoever, incredibly perfunctory the remake. Yes, another one that's probably realistically more disappointing than outright bad, but Captain America Civil War, everyone went bananas for, and I found mm. exceptionally boring. Yes, it has a massive CGI fight in the single most boring location on the planet you can set a fight, the garage is around the back of an airport. Mm. <laughs> That's where your massive set piece battle is. It's the hangar at the back of the airport. It's like, airports are astonishingly dull places at the best of times. The garages around the back where they park the planes is the most boring part of the most boring place on earth. <laughs> oh dear. How yeah. jaded. How jaded. I remember being young and finding planes fascinating. 
My older cousin used to phone me up like, "Do you want to take the radio and go listen to the pilots at the listen to the you know the control tower chatter at the airport?" Yeah. <laughs> now they're just yeah. for superheroes to have fights in. Yeah, they're very much for those. Boring. <laughs> Civil War is again. People lost their shit over it, and I don't understand why. It's nothing happens. Uh, well, it's this not interesting. Same thing. Effect of Winter Soldier, wasn't it? Everybody talking about. Well, this is a really interesting entry in the canon. This mega budget superhero movie that that reeks of seventies conspiracy thrillers. No, it didn't. I really enjoyed Winter Don't Soldier. Talk it's all your life. Yeah, no, it's not a seventies conspiracy soldier. <laughs> no. It's it's a big budget film. I thought it's a more, much more successful one than Civil War was. But sticking yeah. Robert Redford in, in a shady role doesn't make it a seventies <laughs> conspiracy thriller. You fell ends. <laughs> yeah, go and have a word with yourself. I'm going to need to go and revise my script now. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Scott. Right, the three absolute stinkers on my list. Two aren't really worth spending a lot of time about. Well, none of them are really, but uh, Zoolander 2, there's not an awful lot to say about it other than it just wasn't very funny. The fifth wave was very much the thin end oh, of, the, uh, <laughs> of the adult, uh, sort of the, the young adult The thin edge. end of the dovetail of the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of just... the desperate attempt to start some new series, new... Yes. Um, franchise that's had absolutely no substance whatsoever. It's the thin yeah. end of the cigarette paper. <laughs> and um, let's, let's again, hands up, there's probably a great deal of no-budget, hopeless films that we've not seen, that we were never going to see anyway, but in terms of stuff that actually was out there in front of a, a supposed large target audience, Gods of Egypt. Oh! <laughs> what, what? Oh no! Wait! How have I... Oh! You've just... I feel like I've successfully erased that from my memory and you've just given me total recall, you dick. <laughs> Quaid's going on a total recall. Look, it's, it's just mind-bogglingly terrible on every level, including the CG. Um, Alex Boyes, I don't know what he was thinking with anything going into it. It's like film. Amiga demo scene CG. <laughs> What an abomination, as we spoke at length earlier in the year, sort of back in June, was it? Um, entertainingly so, I would say, though. <laughs> I think only listened to that without partake, and that was very entertaining, your oh. um, destruction of that. Hello, yes. mate. I'm Brian Brown, the authentic <laughs> Egyptian god. <laughs> when will this tide of cultural appropriation stop? <laughs> stop oz-washing Egyptian culture. <laughs> yes. What the- <laughs> Oh, what a dreadful thing for all involved. And um, yes, just uh, as we said, had potential. The the whole sort of Egyptian mythos is ripe for someone to come along and do a really yeah. terrific job of. But this is the absolute inverse of that. This is a movie <laughs> that ought to carry a trigger warning for people who are massively afeard of smouldering debacle. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that's a good call, man. I'd all but forgotten about Gods of Egypt. So, on one hand, good call. On the other hand, I hate you now. Um, can I, at this point, just throw in a couple of like pleasant surprises this year? Um, I've been desperately in search of something along the lines of a sort of a hand-to-mouth, low-budget guerrilla warfare kind of made-on-the-cheap thriller. And I didn't necessarily expect to find it where I did find it in Green Room. Uh, I was not at all enamoured of that director's previous work, Blue Ruin. Everyone else seemed to lose their mind over it. And I really only checked out Green Room on the basis that, of course, uh, tragically, uh, we lost Anton Yelchin in the interim between this being filmed and and being released. And I was actually presently surprised by how how taut and minimalist and how um, 
well paced it was and that was certainly it's not film of the year contender but it was certainly as good a sort of uh, economic uh, or economic <laughs> economical thriller that I've seen recently and also in terms of stuff that made me laugh a lot harder and I found far more enjoyable than I expected Ghostbusters uh, my wife and I watched that just a couple of weeks ago there when it came uh, became available on demand and I wasn't holding out any great hope I refused to get involved in that whole shitstorm during the movie's production because I wasn't necessarily looking forward to the to the movie but not for any of the reasons that the online trolls uh, seem to have taken to heart and I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised by the uh, by the result I laughed a lot more and a lot more frequently than I expected and I would I would actually look forward to a sequel to that and on <laughs> On balance, and I know this isn't going to be a popular opinion, but I suspect you guys might um, might agree with me. It's at least as good a movie as the original. It's at least as good. I'm not sure I'd say it's better. It's definitely not worse. Um, mm. I don't think I enjoyed the um, this anything like as much as you did, but it was all right. I laughed a bit, and I probably forgot about it till now. <laughs> but Ghostbusters. But you're, you're not angry at me in the way that I'm angry with Scott for bringing up Gods of Egypt. <laughs> no, because I'm not. I'm not angry at all. It was enjoyable. Um, in the way that the original Ghostbusters was enjoyable. But Ghostbusters is not a masterpiece. Decent film plus time does not equal masterpiece like most yep. of the world seems to think it does. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Fondness and nostalgia. Yes. Yes. Um, heartily enjoyed Green Room. Uh, Ghostbusters, perfectly fine. Um, it's not quite sort of I'd mention as a bubbly under kind of film, but it's, it's higher up there than a lot of other films this year. Yes. Um, yeah. And I, I do hope we get to see a lot more of Kate McKinnon. Yes, yes. Um, I remember it, it took me about half an hour to kind of warm up to what she was doing with that character, but so when you actually yeah. see what's going on at the end, it was like, yeah, go on. Very good. <laughs> like that character. So, oh, Drew, um, did you have... Sorry, did you just talk about movies, Drew? One. Yeah. Have you got any really egregious examples? Again, like I mentioned, Alan Scott was saying, there's a lot of kind of disappointing things. He's already mentioned Carol and the Danish Girl. For me, they weren't bad movies by any means. There were missed opportunities. In a similar vein, there's the BFG, Ugh. which was one of my favourite books as a kid. Barely watchable for yeah, me. That's, yeah, that's it. It's, it's Steven Spielberg seems to have missed the point entirely. It's the new hook. Yeah, the, the whole point of the BFG is the gruesomeness. Dal revelled in that stuff, and the kids loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Tonally, so again, tonally still, it is so far adrift of the, the source material, it's unreal. I know, it's like, again, completely, utterly missed the point. The only real concession to the books is the fact that they kept the names of the giants and I'm always almost surprised by that. Mm. It's like, these giants are called Flesh Lump Eater, Blood Bottler, Gizzard Gulcher things, right? And they're meant to be gruesome. They eat people. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be like, oh, that's a bit inconvenient. Let's not mention it, despite the fact that it's the entire point. <laughs> yeah. And for most of the film, it's not there. So for me, that's just the budget they had, the fact they had Mark Rylance. Yeah. And it's just completely squandered that property. I know that Matt Rylance was attracted to this, and it su- it suffers that that most fatal flaw of the film that relies on it. And I think we mentioned this before, Drew, when we saw the trailer for it. It was a great concern to us: the lack of weight to the character in certain scenes. Uh, there mm-hmm. was no obviously Matt Rylance's characters. The the uh, BFG is a is a is a CG creation. Um, I would assume modelled and facially captured from, if not. Um, Oddly captured from a performance by Mark Rylance, but it lacks that sort of heft and sense of actual presence in the scene that you need for that kind of thing to work. Not in not in every scene, that's not fair to say, but in many of the scenes where there's any great deal of uh, movement or swift motion or whatever, it just feels very 
very removed uh, from yeah. reality. I think it's also compounded by the fact that in terms of the writing, mm-hmm. there's no substance there. They, no. Yeah. So you've got a weightless character and a weightless performance, um, so to speak. And it's, so it's just it's nothing. I like what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So come on then, let's go on some more stuff that we did enjoy. Uh, did I only get to mention the one film there? Oh, sorry, sorry, did you have another? <laughs> yeah, well, so, so it's, for me, disappointments. That's the kind of theme of the year. BFG's one. The rest, there's a few sort of pretty bad films. Cafe Society, it's a Woody Allen film, therefore obviously terrible, because Woody Allen is terrible, <laughs> and why people think otherwise is beyond me. There is a couple of things like Morgan, which is a kind of cash-in on Ex Machina, but which is in no way good at all. Fifth Wave, Scott mentioned... The Assassin, which bored me to tears, but you both liked because you're mental. <laughs> Loved it. Film of the year. <laughs> the only, uh, a film called Cell, which is a low-budget film based on a Stephen King short story with John Cusack in it, which is really all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> High Rise. Which, oh, which I've still really? to watch. Yeah. I know it's supposed to be horrible. The people in the horrible, it's meant to be some sort of representation of society based on G.G. Ballard's novel. I was going to say it's ba- based on Ballard, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's, I've just found the experience so unpleasant and I don't know whether maybe that's the point and I'm not getting it or that's the point that's really, but still that's that's not a good thing to make. A film that's just actively unpleasant to watch or whether it's just, I don't You just don't get, want to be challenged, Drew. That's your problem. I don't know, I just don't <laughs> get the appeal of Ben Wheatley. Uh, people seem to like really love Kill List. I can take it or leave it. I don't see what the I don't see what I don't the see love what the who has about Kill List. Yeah. It's it's okay. And what was the um, one about the Field of England is one of the worst <laughs> films I've seen in my entire life. What was the one about the hyperbole? The couple who go on a killing spree while they're camping. Sightseers. 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 Sightseers yeah, yeah, again, left slightly bewildered by that. And then so high society follows this pattern again. It's not a Field of England because really there's only room in this planet for one film <laughs> as bad as that. But it's. I just high rise did absolutely nothing for me when it's got uh, some decent cast members in it, although it's got Tom Hiddleston who mm. I don't think is a good actor but the other things quickly mentioned just before we get back to good stuff which I'd really rather talk about there's a um, Richard Linklater film called Everybody Wants Some which is meant to be a spiritual successor to Dazed and Confused mm-hmm. and okay. some people drink a wee bit before college starts and then the film ends that's it it's one of the emptiest things I've seen in quite some time. Mm. Deadpool, I didn't like much, just did nothing for me. I know you liked it. Um, Scott, I don't know if you saw that, Craig. Yeah, I found yeah. it um, engaging enough for one view. Yeah, I would have actually. I mean, I've watched that twice now. I think it's a really funny film. Uh, I would put yeah, that in one of my most enjoyable films of the year, actually. I really, really like I it. I was half tempted to see it again. There must have been something in there would make me want to see it again, but it's more just it's like, oh, that was that film then, was it? For me, oh, yeah. that was that was the moment where it's like, ah, someone finally gave Ryan Reynolds the right material. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that. Or maybe Buried. Buried's the only time I've really, really liked Ryan Reynolds, I think. Yeah, no, I thought he was really great in that. I thought it was a, a really sharply uh, observed <laughs> film, given the, the current state of comic book cinema. Um, yeah. Punctured a lot of balloons and also was just really great snappy dialogue and uh, yeah, some nice banter between him and Colossus, which I think worked pretty well. <laughs> Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's the kind of daft, over-the-top action stuff that I would really like to see more of in these kind of comic book films, rather than trying to to have some level of grounded seriousness in such a (laughs) stupid genre that uh, treated it with the contempt it deserves as a genre, and that's why I liked it. It's a a genre that if you're going to do stuff in, you might, you know, ludicrous, if you might as well double down on it, and Deadpool triples down on it. (laughs) (laughs) The incredibly poor-faced things that people like Brian Singer were saying about X-Men and things being really serious, and like, 
Yeah, the film with the lady who walks through walls. Yes. That's yes. the film with all the blue people, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's that's um, the that's very grounded the... in realism. That one, yeah. That's the Thanks, film. Brian. Isn't that the isn't that the one where Vinnie Jones shouts, "I'm the juggernaut, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> yes, grounded, realistic. I am willing to give Deadpool another go. So there's enough of a, a seed of something interesting in there, but I will allow maybe that one was a mood thing, which didn't capture the right time. But I didn't enjoy it. But it wasn't bad. For me, it was more disappointment. Other things worth mentioning, I think. Alice through the Looking Glass, because it's... Why would you even subject yourself to that? I don't know. Are you self-harming? I... <laughs> We're here for you, man, if you need to talk about it. <laughs> and I like Johnny Depp a lot, but this film makes me hate him passionately. His character of the Mad Hatter, a character that did not need a backstory, and I already do not like Lewis Carroll's original stories, but... It's quite astonishing how much you can hate someone just because of a stupid expression on their face, but wow. <laughs> oh, that character's irritating. Quite, it's quite impressive what that can do for the distillation process. Yes. Pure rage is the result. There are a couple of sort of forgettable things like Expose. It's not worth talking about. It's low-budget, bad, front-of-the-mill bad films. Sausage Party, which is... <laughs> uh, Film written by 12 year olds for 12 year olds by the feel of it it's ridiculously crass spectacularly unfunny and obsessed with um, yeah. sex jokes and it's yeah. just a terrible terrible experience yeah it thinks it's being daring and doesn't actually do anything that could be even vaguely considered daring until what the last 90 seconds at which point mm. it's just yet yeah, like you say sorry this is just crass yeah it's it's absolutely terrible and the one th- probably the worst film of the year with the exception of the revenant is Dad's Army. Because, yes, Craig, I am self-harming spectacularly. <laughs> Honestly, not sure why I watched this. Because after watching, I remember, I don't even like Dad's Army TV show. It wasn't very good. Why did I watch this? A film with Bill Nye that I watched voluntarily because I need help. I really need help. Suffice to say, it's every bit as funny as a bad film made from a bad television series with Bill Nye in it would be. Every bit as bad as you imagine that to be. Man, that is pretty bad. But at the same time, it's got Toby Jones in it. Oh dear, yeah, not one that ain't really anywhere near my cat. I'd kind of, I, I, I have uh, some fondness for the Dad's Army uh, series, and so I had some passing interest in this. But I've heard enough feedback from people whose opinions I trust now to have to have bumped it way down the list to. Oh look, it's five years from now, and it's on Channel Four at one o'clock in the afternoon on oh, Sunday. Oh no, not not even then. Uh, I've decided that the only th- thing there's any good in dad's army at all is private phaser saying we're doomed and nothing else matters <laughs> let's get back to the topic of uh, yes. films that we do like because nobody likes to, to hear people about. moan about stuff they don't like mm-hmm. <laughs> right, look, there's an entire podcast dedicated to that but yes <laughs> film what i loved um that we're also actually on a different day you might have actually heard me putting it into the, the top uh, strata ca- category is eye in the sky which is a look at the kind of drone warfare stuff that's going uh, around recently with uh, director Gavin Hood, tale of a, a, a kind of British-American joint operation that goes a bit pear-shaped and develops into unexpected ways and sort of prods at the, the morality of these kind of things, the chain of command that's involved in these kind of things and all the analysis of it. It's a, a really interesting film that's also actually quite darkly comic in places, which I suppose necessary to kind of live in the mood of what is... <laughs> some very heavy Bleak. subject matter yeah. and uh, yeah it's just terrific one of the last if not the last performance from sadly Alan Rickman who also we lost this year yeah a, a terrific film and one that is very worth looking at 
particularly in this, uh, given that the drone warfare does not seem to be going away. It will only be being used more prevalently, and this is a, this is quite a quite a nice look at the ethics of it. So yes, I would give that yes. one a go if you've not seen it already. Been meaning to catch up on that one, I must to get around to that. Likewise. Another from you, Drew? Yes. This really is one of my films here, but it's not on the level of the other ones I've spoken about. It still does come under a little of the category of disappointment, but more because this film didn't have enough time rather than it not having enough content, and that's The Free State of Jones. I found genuinely interesting film, an interesting time period. It's set during the course of the American Civil War when a, a county in the Deep South basically declared itself free and seceded from the secessionists, basically, and tried to set up a small utopia in there while defending themselves from the rebel army. It's got a great performance from Matthew McConaughey, interesting themes, interesting history. It's just that I think when we talked about it, Scott said that I suggested that maybe it should be a miniseries. Yeah, it just crams a bit too much in, certainly towards yeah, the end as well. It's a good film with interesting stuff. It's just this case, it needs to be longer and something like a miniseries would have allowed it to breathe mm. and to tell its stories more easily. That's it. It's still very much worth watching. Very, I, very I was again left feeling neither one way or the other about it. I find it difficult to remember anything past about the first 10 minutes, to be honest with you. But yes, I know I varied opinions on that one. I think it was, you know, mixed, mixed critical reception. But, uh, you know, if not one of the more blistering entries in McConaughey's recent return to form, then certainly still not the the uh, the worst movie he's been involved in. Uh, Scott, do you have any others that you would like to put forth? Yeah, a good few. Um, one that's quite high up, I guess, is Our Kind of Traitor. We all love us a bit of a crime thriller, spy type stuff shenanigans. There's another thing from the pen of uh, Jean Legard. So, yes, it's perhaps a minor uh, example of his work. But I, I will take all of that that I can get. Thank you so very much. So, yes, I, I very much enjoyed our kind of traitor. Yeah, I only just caught up with that last week, actually. I have to say I was a little disappointed from the way you'd spoken about it, but still a pretty decent thriller. Uh, it's nice to be reminded that Ewan McGregor can act to some degree. <laughs> Generally, when he's not encumbered by a terrible accent. And Stellan Skarsgård was pretty interesting in this. The story left me a little cold, but it's a pretty decent thriller. It's worth catching if you like that genre anyway. Particularly notable for its IMDb uh, plot keywords uh, comments, which is male frontal nudity, male re- rear nudity, male nudity based on a novel. <laughs> so I think that really covers all we need to know about our kind of traitor. Hi <laughs> Jove. True. Okay, I'm going to put a um, couple here together just because they're of a similar type of film. For me, this has been a pretty good year for animation because animated features aren't don't come along so commonly. This year my film of the year was Kubo. Up there also is Your Name, a beautiful animation from Japan about uh, two teenagers who find themselves swapping bodies and they need to overcome disasters and then also try to you know, cope with being a teenager in another teenager's body, all those sorts of things. Good score, really beautiful animation, interesting story, thoroughly entertaining film. Uh, for more information, see previous podcast. <laughs> Also, now it's a 2014 film, but it didn't actually get a cinematic release here till this year, so I'm counting it. That's when Marnie was there, most recent Studio Ghibli film. It's a Studio Ghibli film. It's beautiful, as you'd expect. Really interesting story, surprisingly based on a story set in Norfolk, which is the strangest thing for Studio Ghibli to do, about a person basically seeing the ghosts of someone who used to live in a now-abandoned house. Thoroughly entertaining. If you like Studio Ghibli, you're probably already going to want to watch it anyhow. 
Um, if not, then I don't want to do business with you, crazy person. <laughs> and the other one, it's not on the same level as those two I've mentioned there, but I find Zootopia, mm. a genuinely entertaining film. From Disney Animations, it's the story of this rabbit who wants to become a police officer. A female rabbit, that too. So it's a Disney film with a female protagonist who's strong, interesting, isn't a princess, doesn't have a love interest, and probably that's the first time I can think of that being the case since Lilo and Stitch. Mm. The criminally underrated Lilo and Stitch. So yeah, Zootopia, it's an interesting story, good performances apart from maybe Idris Elba, and I know Craig um, <laughs> told us that you're no fan of Idris Elba, I think he's overrated, I'm, I'm kind of up there with you. But it's uh, an interesting world, it's funny in places, it's touching, and it's quite different from other Disney stuff. Real laugh out loud moments in it, man. Mm, the, whole, the whole scene yeah. with Flash at the the vehicle licensing. Uh, the slot, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that, that was genuinely very, very funny. Yes, so. <laughs> I had my wife and I in stitches. Yeah, this, again, it's not it's not brilliant, but it's very, very good. So those two for me, it's been good year for animated features. So, mm. I mean, even and Finding Dory is basically Finding Nemo again. Yeah. However, it's still thoroughly entertaining. I'll, and, I'll, and I'll see the last 20 minutes at some point. Scott what about yourself any animation stoking your interest of the ones you mentioned there uh, certainly your name sticks out as a a very commendable entry to my shame not seen either when Marnie were here or Zootopia but I will certainly get round to both of those they're on the list as are about a couple hundred films at this point but I'll get to them (laughs) eventually perhaps one of the big summer budget tent poles that actually landed. There's been a number of ones that fluffed and missed uh, this year, but I think Doctor Strange of them all was probably the one that actually uh, delivered what it promised. Um, it's essentially your more or less standard Marvel origin story tale, but it's dressed up incredibly effectively with all this sort of uh, magic and visual effects, uh, hoo-ha, and uh, thankfully it's probably attracted the best cast of any of the Marvel ones so far, and Benedict Cumberbundle does a tremendous role <laughs> uh, in the, uh, the central performance, and that's perhaps what probably uh, elevates this, I think, over some of the other ones. Yeah, uh, solid recommendation on that one. And I suppose because we're running, we're starting to run a bit long here. So do you want to just anything else you've got on your list? Just run off quickly. In in terms of just the enjoyment per pound, the Sing Street's got to be high up there. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. highly enjoyable little musical. Like yeah, I caught up on that uh, just a couple of weeks ago. I know you talked about it in the earlier podcast. To be kind of like sort of Rambo with singing mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and thoroughly entertaining for it. And some of the perhaps a, a pleasant surprise, and it's a horror film that I liked is Lights Out. Certainly one worth taking a look at. Um, some really innovative effects work in the way that it uses its sort of internal logic to create some really interesting scenarios and sort of how they kind of play out. They're definitely worth taking a look at. There's been a lot of horror films that have been you know big up this year, and that's only one that I've actually seen, but it's one that I saw and heartily enjoyed. So I'll get up and have it. I have it. Uh, I have it high up the list because um, anything we're well. I'd almost given up faith in people saying this is, you know, yeah. oh, this is this year's good horror movie, and then it turns out to be no, yeah. just as bad as every other year's bad horror movies. Um, <laughs> but I'm, you know, my interest has been piqued by the fact that yourself, as much of a a cynic of horror as as yeah. the rest of us, Scott, actually picked this one out as being worthy of note. So I, I will very much fast track it. And I guess another another couple two roughly sci fi tinged entries: Ten Cloverfield Lane and Midnight mm. Special. Both are not quite as overwhelmingly positive a response as a lot of people were sort of claiming it had, but I still heartily enjoyed both of them. And I guess one 
final, well, two final shout-outs for now. Anthropoid, which was perhaps a little slow, perhaps a little uh, steadily told, but it's a very interesting time period. A little, uh, it's a section of the, the theatre of World War Two that I knew very little about, so I was quite happy to uh, yeah. see something like that and get the kind of big screen treatment, and I thought I did it pretty effectively. Killian uh, Murphy is always value for money. I didn't realise until I got to the very final uh, scene with the protagonist in this film that actually I had seen the earlier version of the story, I think, from the late 70s, perhaps. Oh, right. I suddenly I suddenly realised that actually, oh, yeah, I have seen that many, many years ago. But this is, you know, it's a slick and effective retelling of a story, like you say, that isn't, hasn't necessarily been too well trodden mm. in the past. And one that I will mention just to have fanboys' heads explode, Batman versus Superman, a it's, much better film than Civil War was. Yes, Deal it's also it. on my list. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to if you didn't. Or I'll give you another one that Scott hasn't mentioned, but if I can just quick respond to him. 10 Cloverfield Lane, yeah, up until probably the last 10 minutes. Thoroughly enjoyed 80, that film. 85% of a great movie. Yeah, 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 and then just blows it in the last reel. Um, well, not even the last reel, the last part of the last reel. Yeah, it's an attractive movie that has its drink spiked towards the end of the night. Mm-hmm. Sing Street Scott's already mentioned that late to Batman vs Superman 2, it's substantially better than Captain America Civil War, and people were smoking all sorts of crazy drugs to think otherwise. It's not perfect by any means, and some of the bits, like the, the way they introduce some of the characters, it's incredibly clunky. Just yeah. using little video files of people, for instance, <laughs> but the actual film itself, really entertaining. I remember seeing people talk about how disappointed they were that about the Batman versus Superman fight, and I'm really wondering how else you could have done that. Yeah, and I thought it was actually really quite well handled. Yes, I thought I so liked too. it a lot. Uh, the only other way you can do that is just have Superman punch Batman once and he dies. That's the only way that <laughs> yeah. makes sense otherwise. That's uh, entertainment, Sids! Which is pretty much, with no knowledge of the comic books, which is pretty much how I envisaged this panning out when I first heard the title a couple of years ago, Batman versus <laughs> Superman. Like, well, I know who's going to win that one. Yes, um, and Ben Affleck does the absolutely fine, better than fine job as Batman and Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. So You're not allowed to say that, Drew. <laughs> Apparently Best Batman not. that's not Christopher Bale. There you go. Uh, other ones worth mentioning. Captain Fantastic. Viggo Mortensen as a postmodern hippie in a road movie come family drama that I found really entertaining. Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight. I think just scrapes in this. I think it may have come out on the 1st of January, but it makes it into 2016. Not quite as enjoyable as Django Unchained, but I really liked it. His use of those very wide angles inside the buildings made for a very distinctive look. And like a lot of Tarantino stuff, entertaining dialogue. Creed is pretty decent. It's, you know, not so different from a lot of the Rocky films, but it is does actually have a rather touching performance from Sylvester Stallone in it. Yeah, it does. I don't you... I don't quite agree with the fanfare around it. I still I'm still a bit baffled as to why it's been so popular. I still felt it was massively, massively derivative and predictable. But yeah, that that performance from Stallone is amongst his better performances and it was genuinely touching at moments. Yeah, that's why I mentioned I mean, as for the story, yes it's fairly generic and if you've seen a Rocky film you basically know how this is going to go So, mm-hmm. but that said, I enjoyed it I thought it was well acted, well made and it's that Stallone performance that really makes it mm-hmm. who knew he had that in him it's probably the best thing he's done since the original Rocky. Yeah. I mean there's, there were hints of that actually in Rocky Balboa, that performance that he had something of that in him that sort of slightly softer more introspective role. Yeah, slightly um, more world-weary kind of 
yeah. But it's really, I don't think it's really good enough to merit it. I have no respect for the Oscars at all, but the fact that he was even being talked about for that sort of level of award, mm-hmm. I think justified, actually. I think there was something kind of special about that performance. Mm-hmm. Um, a film called The Fundamentals of Caring sees Paul Rudd looking after your boy from um, Submarine, who has muscular dystrophy, I think. Features the world's greatest peeing scenes, obviously. Uh, of course. <laughs> No, it is the only film I've seen where the emotional climax of it is someone pissing off a cliff. <laughs> see, see, now you're intrigued, aren't you? See? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, it's a pretty decent film because it's quite touching the performances and the chemistry is what's good about that film, but it's worth catching up. Sorry, I would have loved to have heard that Scott pitch that to the studios. <laughs> Trust me, it all resolves in this amazingly emotional scene where they piss off a cliff. Well, it was Netflix, they'll take anything. Rubber, <laughs> rubber stamped. <laughs> See Elvis and Nixon because I like Michael Shannon a lot. Uh, my next special was okay. My Michael Shannon film of the year is the is Elvis and Nixon though. What else? Chocolat. I think in this country it's getting released. It might be called Mister Chocolate. <laughs> it's features okay. Um, Omar Sy, who you might know from The Untouchables. So hopefully you know him from The Untouchables and not X Men: Days of Future Past. Omar Sy as Francis. Oh, it said first in the description. But I don't think that's right, but. I, early 20th century black circus performer in France when that was quite unusual. He is a clown, and that's quite a hard one to get over because clowns are obviously inherently unfunny. But it's an interesting story. The racism he faces is quite shocking. But Omar Sy throughout is really likeable, even though his character acts pretty despicably at times. Interesting please, don't t- please don't tell me, is he referred to as Mr Chocolate in racially disparaging terms? Yes. Ah, oh, right, which now makes me feel like a real laughing when you said Mr. Chocolate. It just yeah, seemed it's... like such a bizarre title to me, but now I feel like a complete and utter Yeah, it's his character's name. As, mm. um, he's in this duo of a white clown and a black clown, and he's okay. called Mr. Chocolate. And it's a name he picks for himself, I think, but it's clearly it's because France was deeply racist times. It's quite shocking, and I'm almost tempted to believe it's not real, some of the stuff that happens, so I do need to read into it. Yeah. Um, but given that it's round, it's not so long after things that happened in France, like the Dreyfus affair, that it's maybe not so unbelievable that a black man would suffer these things too. Mm. The only thing that feels kind of weird to me is that, because I've seen it ever in so many other places, that people think that black people are stupid and savage and you know, simpletons, that sort of thing. Hideous um, beliefs by people who are not so smart themselves but the the audience at the start of the film seem to be basically terrified just because he's a black man and that kind of doesn't feel right that just seems daft but the people are like jumping in their seats only because a black man walked into the circus ring that doesn't make a lot of sense the rest of it though with the the society um and the the character itself and what he's facing interesting i just i think i have the caveat of it to find out whether it's actually accurate because some of it doesn't sound quite right but interesting nonetheless Snowden now that is an Oliver Stone film with all the caveats that carries Um, Mm. it is however interesting it's politics are very very obvious but to be honest you can find it or rather I find it difficult to see how there's another side to this that's the opposite of that but there's stuff that is discovered that's in there are you saying, you're saying you can't see things from an outright point of view, Drew? <laughs> How unempathetic of you. Do you know the only thing, like, again, that caveat of the politics aside, it's interesting and 
Joseph Gordon-Levitt is really, really engaging as Edward Snowden, and it's probably worth watching for Levitt alone. I think we're all big fans of Joseph Gordon-Levitt around these these parts. Mm -hmm. I've almost forgiven him for Looper. (laughs) (laughs) Only issue I really have with Snowden is an issue that is in no way related to Snowden. It's just an issue of maybe culture. Instead of the issue of the film being that, oh, look, governments are spying on people isn't that terrible and they're taking away freedoms, that's not the issue. That's clearly an absolute wrong. It's more that, oh, look, these, the government are spying on Americans and that's bad. It's okay to do it to anybody else. Mm. That's, that really stuck in my craw through that film. It's like, no, just think kind of it as an absolute bad that the way people are treating other people and uh, not allowing them any privacy or anything. But no, no, it's just bad because it's Americans who are doing it to. That aside, interesting film. And again, as I say, Joseph Gordon Levitt worth watching. And yep, that's it for me. Anything you wanted to round off with, Scott? I think I've said my piece. You've said your piece. Yes. Okay, we're talking of Scott said his piece and I've said my piece. And you don't have much of a piece to say, unfortunately, Craig. No, my piece is tiny. Um, <laughs> so I've heard, I a, I'm holding a tiny, tiny piece. I do believe you could tell us about some people who followers on twitter did have a piece to say so yeah we've had various feedback with people's opinions on 2016 in general uh let's kick off with one of our uh regulars at sonic yoda who said best were probably your name and zootopia worst was easily warcraft i can i can get behind zootopia there i haven't seen your name but uh, i can i can imagine i can imagine warcraft yeah, um, I, although I, scott did you not find it passable i wouldn't defend it as a good film but i didn't hate it mm. Tellingly, my wife enjoyed it more than I did, which was right. <laughs> unexpected. The, the weight of critical and popular opinion would be behind uh, would be behind Sonic Yoda on that one, probably. But alternative opinions are always available. Um, he's definitely right about your name, Zootopia. Very comedy, very funny film. Work. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was serviceable, but I have no great things to say about it one way or the other. Yeah. Cool. George the Chen chips in with Wiener Dog, The Lobster, Moonlight, and Nice Guys. Uh, nice Guys we've covered. Uh, I know The Lobster is one of those films that a lot of people have a lot of people have given lent great credence to, which I haven't had a chance yeah, to catch up with yet. Got a lot of positive can, didn't it? The Lobster. Um, yeah. But I've um, not either. And I'm not familiar with either Moonlight or Wiener Dog. Moonlight, I knew something about. And when he said that, I thought at first there's a Korean animation called something like Moonlight. I thought maybe he meant that, but no, it's hmm. um. It's something else that looks quite interesting, and I'm going to catch up on it. Um, cool. So we will we will get back to you on that one, George yes, the Chen. Static King uh, says, off the top of my head, my two fave films this year are Spotlight and Kubo and the Two Strings. And so you're not going to... No argument here. Yeah, you're not going to get much pushback from us on that. Cynical underscore Mass chips in with Loved Green Room, Captain Fantastic, and Hunt for the Wilder People. Uh, so we've covered two of those tonight. Hunt for the Wilder People, again, I have not been able to familiarise myself with. At Scott's Actor affords us the following. Comedy would be The Lobster, Sci-Fi, Midnight Special, Thriller, Green Room, Horror, The Witch, which I still haven't caught up with yet, actually, and Action, Deepwater Horizon, which... The Marky um, Mark film doesn't seem to fit with the rest, but... A Marky Mark film, I know, but I've heard enough people talking about it in favourable terms that, I mean, I... It looked... To me, very superficially from the from the trailer, that it would be sort of uh, predictably patriotic American hero flag waving stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, I know enough people who have watched that movie who've said, "No, you've, that trailer probably did it a disservice. It's actually a, a very solid, uh, very well directed, very well paced uh, movie that I probably want to check out when it becomes available." He also mentions the Thirteenth as a good documentary, which is one of the Netflix specials, I think. Uh, cool. Which we 
I think I believe that's about sort of racism endemic in the uh, American sort of prison system and the justice system over there. And we're planning at some point to do a, a documentaries episode, so I'm sure that we fodder for that one. It may be worth being. I was just thinking actually, uh, documentaries is one genre I've been particularly lacking in this year. Yeah, obviously lacking in horror, but that's very much through choice because horror. Maybe maybe one day I'll see one that changes his mind, but I don't hold out any hope. But yes, um, the thirteenth might be interesting. Lacking about documentaries of late. And that just about covers the basis for uh, feedback that we had from you guys on that. So thank you very much, anyone who gave uh, gave their time to uh, to respond to a request for uh, for your opinions on these things. As always, please feel free to chip in at any time. You can find us at Fuds on Film on Twitter, and we shouldn't be too difficult to find on SoundCloud, on Facebook, and uh, I don't know, probably in your local paper or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> before turning the gun on themselves yes that's the one so there you go that was our little flash through of 2016 we hope you uh, enjoyed that little recap and hopefully there are one or two movies in there that have piqued your interest uh, that you haven't had a chance to watch yet yourself and for which uh, we may have rekindled your interest but we will be back soon enough with another regular episode but for now I was Craig saying cheerio Scott was Scott saying cheerio and Drew was Drew I was. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> Take care.